listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. Hi, how are you? What's going on? I am uh, remote. I am in uh, East Coast, more specifically uh, in Boston, more specifically uh, in Cape Cod. And uh, I am setting up this morning with uh, my remote rig. That's why it sounds different and echoey. It sounds cooler. <laughs> and uh, listen... Yes, the fucking leaf blower followed me across the country. So as soon as I set up microphones today with my guest, the guy outside started blowing fucking leaves. That's the way the game is. Um, So lots to talk about, and we'll get into some of it later. But first, because I don't want to keep her waiting, returning to the show, long-term favorite guest, Eileen Petchy's on the show, my mom. Would you prefer Eileen Spellman or Eileen Petchy for this? That's so funny because I was thinking about that today and I was thinking if your dad died, I would never have to be a Petchy again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hi, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, we can talk about a bunch of different things. It's been a while. Last time you were on the show, we were talking about raising kids and what it was like to be a mom raising kids. And that episode did really well, actually. Well, that's good. You know who's a big fan of that episode is Lance. He's listened to that show at least four times. That's amazing. I like Lance even more now. <laughs> it's true. I'm not making that up. It's very true that that happened. Hold on. Let me move this closer. Does this sound good for everybody? <laughs> um, so uh, we haven't seen each other in a while. No, we haven't. It's been... Um it would have been a year in August. Mm-hmm. The last time I saw you, you came up to California, right? Yeah, last May. Yes, last May. Mm-hmm. And you stayed at uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's hotel. It was lovely. What the, what the? What was the name of that hotel? I can't remember what the name I, of it is. It's one word or something. I didn't think I'd ever forget the name because I would definitely go back there. It was a beautiful room and tastefully done. It was an... Uh, it was a renovated motel, right? Yes, it was like an old motel that they... Because you have to walk outside to get to your rooms. You know, you go upstairs and you have to go outside. And the room is small, but it, it's very well appointed and there's not a lot of stuff. And then our room opened up, had a little balcony. It opened up to the courtyard mm-hmm. where they had um, a reflection pool and they had tables set up for, you know, lunch or dinner or breakfast and... Um, it, it was, was cute. It was very cute. It was very peaceful and relaxing. They had a nice little bar down there too. If I remember. Yes, correctly. they did. We had we had quite a few drinks there. <laughs> so, um, so you're the uh, you're the real queen now. You're watching reels on Instagram. Stop it! Don't make fun of me just because I said that. Oh my gosh! Because it says real, so I thought it's that's not what you... wrong. It's nothing wrong with no, that. No, no. I'm now going to say I just saw something on Instagram. To be no more reels coming out of my mouth. It's it's actually the correct way to say it. I think Instagram would be happy that you were calling it those because yeah. I've spent. I don't think Instagram cares about us since it's become. <laughs> Who owns that now? It's, it's Facebook, which is now. Mecca or Meta or something like that, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm shocked by what people put out there. I know. Not the crazies, not the the deep dive ones that you get out and look at and you're like, (laughs) and you know that person should be in a mental institution or some sort of facility. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about average people. There's this 
lovely woman that I don't know how she became part of my Instagram, but I see her every day trying on clothes. That's the new thing. You know, everybody is ordering clothes from Amazon now. And mm -hmm. Amazon has what they call a luxury line. They have, yeah, they have, or it's much more expensive. There's mm -hmm. a lot of what they call throwaway clothes now, like H&M. And those so that's stores. like fast fashion stuff? Yes. Yeah. And um, this woman is quite heavy. Mm -hmm. And she's now into the bathing suit season. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing the suits that she tries on. Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's wild when you watch because I feel like with uh, Instagram posts and the idea of potentially becoming an influencer and all of the stories that are uh, fed to us by people that are influencers, where they're like, this is me living my best life, this is how much money I make, this is how many people are interested in me. And then if you you have the ability to get tracked, right? So you could see how many people watch these clips. So that seems like some sort of validation on your life and validation on your time. Well, I think she's very brave. And I mean, I'm not making fun of her doing my usual, let's trash somebody. Mm -hmm. um, first off, what, what she does is she shows the outfit on a regular model. Mm -hmm. And now you can buy, you know, the clothes up to like 3X. Mm -hmm. And then this is why I call her brave because I wouldn't even try to, I wouldn't post a picture of a model and try the outfit on myself. Mm -hmm. And then she shows the large version of it and puts it on. And sometimes it looks good. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and she's like, well, I'm not going to get this. But to be that brave and put yourself out there. And she has like a baby doll voice. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, and, and I, I feel, I kind of feel badly for her. She looks sort of youngish and not because of, not because of the way people have to live with their bodies and live with their own choices. Right. I feel badly for her because she's doing this. And I'm sure she probably gets some really snarky comments from people. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You know? I mean, the internet is a, a weird place, man. And especially since people are turning to it for validation and people are turning to strangers for validation and strangers that have the ability to hide behind curtains. So well, I people think, can say whatever the fuck they want to. I think if you're going to say something horrible to somebody on Instagram, then you better use your real name and let them know who you are. Yeah. Because because you're otherwise you're a coward. Yep. You're like you're throwing out something at somebody and you're hurting them deeply. And you know what? All you have to do is delete. You don't have to watch it. Yeah. So these people sit around and they see things and then they, you know, they trash the person and take them down and basically there's something wrong with the person that's doing this. Sure. In their sure. own life that they have to the only way they can feel validated and good is to hurt somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I, I've dealt with negative comments. You've seen my negative yeah. comments. So, like the, the. But I think it's even. I think it's even more hurtful when a woman's putting herself out there and trying on bathing suits and doing stuff, and you can say, "Oh, she doesn't have to do this," but maybe that's her way of trying to feel good about herself. Mm -hmm. And then to have, you know, if you don't want to see that, you can make sure that it never shows up on your feed. Yeah, it's you, true. You don't have to go in there and. and People like to, there, there is that dopamine rush that comes from getting angry. And the algorithm has registered the fact that people respond more to negativity and negative comments 
And so, honestly, she probably gets more traffic because of the negative people than if she just had all positive people. But I can't, I can't imagine that is good for your psyche. Not at all. I wouldn't. It's like you know, be like being in the supermarket and having somebody behind you say, "What were you thinking when you put on that outfit today?" Yeah, you know, like what? Yeah, not at all. And especially if you if you look just like how people used to look at the movies and and, uh, imagine what the process of making movies were and imagine what it was like to be a movie star. If you look at that that same way at people who are influencers on the internet, and the only thing that you have as a reference is like how great everything is, how amazing it like their life is. They're always staying in great hotels. They're always trying on great clothes. You don't realize that it's a very lonely. When you're making this content, it takes a lot of time to make this content. And that's what you do. You wake up every day. Someone sends you some bathing suits. You have to set up the camera yourself. There's no one else there that's with you. And then you're going through the process of trying to make yourself look good. So you're staring at what it looks like initially, and then they're running filtration over it, changing the cosmetics. And even the people that are, quote unquote, being brave, they're still adjusting the lighting and stuff to make themselves look like somebody else that they saw on Instagram. It's a very lonely existence. I think think it's sad. I think I read an article, and I think it was in the New York Times, that they're talking about um, teenagers and preteens and the high suicide rate and the low we have um, they have no self confidence the low self esteem and they're relating it to the internet yes they're relating the fact that they're spending hours and hours on their phones and um, you know looking all this stuff up and everybody has to uh, be in a group and they have to like you or not like you and they're saying that we've lost this sense of community mm-hmm. where you know you can sit around with a group of people and have a conversation and everybody can have a different opinion but because you're in person unless you're a real jerk you don't attack someone because you don't like what they're saying you just say hey this is my point of view and I don't agree with you where on the internet especially with these young people that are close you know they're home in their rooms yeah on the phone or on their computer doing this stuff and then a group of you know teenagers get together or preteens and they attack one girl or one kid and yeah you know and they go after them I mean I think that's the worst part of this whole setup it feels like <clears throat> to a certain extent it feels like the way it felt when you went to when I went to middle school right because middle school is the worst oh yes and so you go to middle school and suddenly everybody's bodies they're changing their their chemistry's changing emotionally they're changing and the bullies come out and then the bullies come out yeah and then people are just sort of posturing for attention and so if you don't play that game or if you're slow chemistry wise like you, you really haven't caught up to the rest of the class you end up being shit on pretty hard and that's what are the what is the age of middle school it's like 14. middle school starts at between 12 and 13 yeah and that's when uh, both sexes bodies are changing you know uh, w- girls are getting breasts they're getting periods boys voices are cracking and changing yep. they're getting yep. erections when they don't even try I mean yeah so they're dealing with their whole body feels like it's turning against them yeah and for a girl it's like oh, now all of a sudden you have to deal with a period every month where before you were free and you could do whatever you want you never had to think about that sure you know and you're terrified that well you know what if I get it and I don't have stuff 
to take care of it. Sure, because you're not used to it yet. No, you know, you don't have a system going. So, but the one thing that you did have, or back then that you all had, was you had safety in your home. Yeah. To be, you know, they're reaching out through the internet into your home and attacking you. Yeah. You know, and it's like you could go home and and you could. Maybe if you were lucky, you could talk to your parents or, um, you know, you could do stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I would not want to be raising a teenager or a preteen in this time frame. I would yeah, not. Very complicated. And I think what's interesting, if you think about what they're going through with their bodies, is just putting them in an, in, a, in an emotional state that's very fragile. Their hormones are all over the place. But I feel like even now, as they as people progress into adulthood quote-unquote adulthood which is like the 20s and stuff they're still emotionally fragile and Mm -hmm. they're they're living that same sort of existence that you lived in middle school but you're living it online and that's leading to bullying that's leading to depression and to make things fucking worse can you imagine if you were in middle school and like you had a ticker that ran on your shirt like a number that ran on your shirt that told you how many friends you actually had how many people were interested in you and you're walking around with that number well, you know, chest. I think America is so messed up when it comes to children, um, preteens, teenagers, young adults. We don't value them at all. No. We don't value people being individuals. I mean, it, wouldn't it be great if a, a child could go to school and be totally different than everybody around them and people would think wow that kid's pretty cool he does his own thing he can do this he can do that no instead the the other child who has insecurities zooms in on this easy victim and starts attacking them so we don't have any individuality in children anymore well people in general i think the same sort of like segregation that happens happens on a corporate level and on a business level because they want you they want everybody to want when we were kids it was like they wanted everybody to want the same trapper keepers they want everybody to want the same products and if you're not buying the same toys if you don't have the same game systems then you're shunned because you're not going with the system the only age that you get to be free is i have a you have a nephew i have a grandson he's two and a half and he, he doesn't care what people think yeah you know, I mean, he went to his library reading class and wore his superhero cape and brought his stuffed rabbit, It'll you know, ch- and twirled around the whole time. And he didn't, you know, he was having a great time and all the other kids were like watching him and no problem. But if he did that in first grade. Yeah. Yeah, because then he's mixing in with the other boys and then the other boys are going to give him shit. The other kids are going to give him mm-hmm. shit. Instead of, we don't embrace individual thoughts we don't embrace how you wanted I, I saw this girl um again on instagram i guess i'm on that too much and um she had these great outfits i thought yeah you know she had these um sort of um medieval dresses that she made and she had the tights and her whole outfit was very unique they were bullying her at school for wearing it how old was this kid? She was probably 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. 14, 15. And she just had her own thoughts on life and her own ideas and how she wanted to be. And this was who she represented herself. And she just dressed that way and went to school and didn't bother anyone, you know. Yeah. And they were all over her. It's so wild, too, when you think about it. Because when we were younger, all the bullies, you know, 
think about the 70s, right? And the results of the bullying that happened in the 70s and all those bullies grew up to become these fucking crazies. You know, you've got the Bezos, you have all these these nutbags who you know started as bullied kids and now they've gone the complete other end of the spectrum and become... But there are a lot of bullies, according to statistics, end up in jail. That's true. Mm-hmm. A lot of bullies, you can, it's like if you can, school Well, is, I wasn't saying that they were bullies, I'm saying that they were the bullied. Oh, the bully. Oh, and they yeah. did well in life. And I, But then they also become, there's something interesting about now, I think there was a study saying that the bullied are becoming the bullies, like the, oh, the nerds gosh, are becoming that's like... that's horrible. Yeah, it's weird, the way humans are, man, they're just... It's, hor- it's horrible, I mean, it, yeah. it, we don't, in, I mean, when you look at Sweden... And you look at um, other countries and how they um, raise children and how they school them. They in Sweden they don't have a child go to school full time till they're um, past six years old. Mm-hmm. And they do every a lot of stuff that they do is outdoors. Mm-hmm. Like their parks and their play areas are so different from ours. They have like all of them have. They have all kinds of different creative things to work with. They have like a clubhouse type thing there where you can do arts and crafts. They have someone mm-hmm. there helping you. And some of them even serve wine to the parents. I mean, they embrace children. We don't. Yeah. Children are now just consumers to business. Yeah, yeah. And then there isn't a license to have kids. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be trained to have kids. We, Gene and I, when we were flying out here on the airplane this woman behind us had this child that was just a nightmare and of course you've got a tiny kid that you're going to bring on a plane it wasn't so tiny i'm so bad with ages it was older younger than our my nephew so she gets on the plane and the kid just starts screaming and it's right and the kid's screaming she has nothing for it no toys no pacifier she has nothing in her kid and she's just like holding this thing and it's it's having a temper tantrum and kicking the backs of everybody's seats and you're trapped in a situation of course i may be more sensitive to it because i don't have kids and i've being an older brother for so many years i'm kind of done with that scenario but then being on this plane you just look at this woman and there was an older woman that was sitting next to us who in her own way was a little crazy but she turned back to the lady behind us and she goes do you have anything for this child do you have a pacifier? Do you have food? Do you have toys? Do you have anything for this kid? And she's like, I don't have anything. And it's like, why the fuck did you bring it on the plane without... It's like, you... you should. Okay, so there's no class that you take now. There used to be like uh, home economics that they would teach you, right? For Well, you know, you, you learned. I don't know what happened in this woman's life, but that's very unusual because usually you overpack stuff for a kid. I know. And first off, to go on a plane for a child that young and babies and stuff, they have a hard time when the ears don't pop. Yes. So you always have a pacifier or a bottle or something if they're not drinking, if they're incapable of drinking water on their own to help the, their ears pop. So they might be screaming and carrying on because they're their ears haven't popped and they're in pain. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you um, traveling with a child, even if you have everything you could possibly have, they could be just having a bad day and no matter what you do, it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. I personally think, and I thought this even when you were young, they should have a part of the plane where people with kids sit. 
Yeah, they put them in the back or they put them in a In section. the front, even. Put them in the front of the plane. Yeah. They're the first ones. They'll be the first ones to get on and the first ones to get off. Yeah. You know, they should have a place, not these. So that, and they should make it easier. First off, Uranus, they, you know, they, uh, they hired all these scientists to figure out how many people can they shove on a plane before there's a riot, right? Right, the psychologist studies mm-hmm. of like all and of that. So they made the seats small and everything. So now, I mean, literally, you and I can't even untie our shoes no. sitting in a plane. So here you are with a child, and, and maybe you didn't buy a ticket. You have the belt that goes over you. So now you're on a plane for seven hours, six hours, holding a child. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. They should have a setup where, you know, you could have something that pulls down on the plane and it's like a little bed or something the kid can lie down on. I mean, it would be, you would never sit at home and hold a child for six hours. No. But that's airlines. Airlines don't, well, they, they that's don't give our a shit whole, about it. That's our whole motto in this, in this country is we are not, we do not think about children. Yeah. On any level. I mean... I mean, until they get old enough to sell products to them. Well, they sell products to them. That, you know, parents will put the. With my grandson, he's not allowed to watch TV. He's too young. And, and it is. She, she is right. Because, first off, he would be demanding to have that thing on all the time. Yep. And all these parents think it's so cute. There's some program shark baby or something i see it on instagram Mm -hmm. and it's a cartoon and there's they sell all kinds of products and all kinds of stuff toys so now the kid is now a consumer they're two years old and they are a consumer that was during i think that was during reagan right because before reagan you weren't allowed to sell the kids and i think you couldn't put anything on yes you could not have any product except at christmas time you could show toys and stuff but you could not make a show where it was basically selling products. What is that Japanese or Chinese? It must be a Japanese boy that they're making millions off of. Oh, because he just opens boxes on Instagram or something? No, he um, they film the family, yeah, and he he tells whether he likes toys and he yeah they make a lot of money. Off they that make kid. a ton of money off of this kid, and then he has <clears> his <throat> own little program that you watch. And the only reason I saw this was. We were visiting friends that have grandchildren, and we went into the room, to the living room, and they were just, they didn't acknowledge you, they didn't say anything, they were like robots watching this stuff, and I thought... Well, I mean, they're like the adults, I mean, at this point, you go anywhere, if there's a... You know, it's crazy, and I I like the fact that we're talking about this stuff, because a lot of people don't talk about this stuff a lot, and I think... What's crazy is is that most people now don't want to have a second to think about what's going on. And so they try to fill every moment that they possibly can with some form of distraction. Whether you're scrolling through Instagram or whether you're, you know, watching, binge watching a series for like hours and hours. Like, and I don't think the world is worse than it was when I was a kid. It just... We didn't have that sort of medication that is so readily available to us. Well, I think what's really hurt us is COVID. Yeah, COVID did. COVID really, you know, we all had this sense of freedom. We could go anywhere. We could do anything. We could make plans. And all of a sudden, it was like COVID was like the big plug was pulled. 
and everything shut down. Yeah. The whole world shut down. Everybody was terrified of dying. Um, then there was people that wouldn't get vaccinated and people that were hated people that did and, and that divided and split. Right, there's a big divide. It was a big horror show and and so you you were stuck home, which isn't bad to be stuck home, but you needed a distraction. I would actually say that this probably stems from 9-11. If you go back and think about it, pre-9-11, there wasn't any sort of sense of danger that we really had. Sure, there were some school shootings, but it was very specific, right? Mm-hmm. And then when 9-11 happened, it was broadcast on everybody's fucking television sets. And then the entire, the entire country was like, we don't know if they're going to blow up buildings in New York or if they're going to go to some small school in Oregon and, and leave a bomb in a small school in Oregon. And I think that sense of danger really fractured. Well, I agree with you um, on that, but also to add to that is the reason we had that sense of danger is the news media is yes. so horrible yes. that they just attack you with it, attack you with it. I don't watch the news anymore very really i read the new york times and when i read it online if i see a headline and i think well i don't want to finish i'm not interested in that article i'm not going there i used to feel like i had to read everything you know you have a paper and you have to read every article everything to get yourself knowledge now i look at it and say do i want to go down that road you know this is they're just scaring us and the thing that Okay, so I should probably rope this into something that <laughs> makes sense for what we do. The, the thing that's fascinating is um, when I deal with younger folks that I work with, right, they're so, they're so focused on making sure that they're not paying attention to what's going on around them. They're so focused on making sure that they're not paying attention to how they feel in the moment that they're missing the communication skills that you need to actually really understand um, intent. Well, I think they're also, they do focus, but they focus on the wrong things. What do you mean? Well, they focus, there's like always a new thing that's out there that they Mm -hmm. focus on. I mean, I'm not anti-gay or anti-trans or anything like that, but they get so focused on that and and being so correct in what you call people and how you say things and all that that they don't build their own character. They don't. The thing is that they're right. not. Right. It just building, feels. It feels like a like a shell around uh, in, an unstable character. Right. They're with. not building their own character. It's like they. It's like what is the next horrible thing that that we shouldn't do and uh, we're mistreating these people, we're mistreating those. Instead of building their own character and who they are and what kind of person they want to be in this life and what do they want to do so that they don't hurt someone or they get involved in it, but they're not really involved in it. It's sort of like the new thing to do. Sure, right. Right, it feels like it's a fad to a certain extent. Right. I mean, I get the idea of wanting to make sure that you're happy and making sure that you feel like you've created the presence for yourself that you want to be accepted by. I I totally understand that. But there is also a world in which um, if you meet somebody in real life, that's your label, that's who you are, that's fantastic, that's who you are, but what else do you do? Is that all you do? Have you spent your entire life defining your label, or are you also a great cook? First off, are you someone that, like... Why does anyone need labels? 
I know it's categories. That's the, whole, that's categories. the whole thing. Why do we all need labels? You meet someone and you accept them for how they present themselves and who they are. Right, they're nice, they're, they're interesting. Yeah, and they're, you don't. I don't care. I mean, I I care that you're that I can understand fighting for certain rights because you don't want to be discriminated for jobs and housing and all kinds of stuff because there are so many horrible, evil, negative people out there. Mm. You're super, you know, Christians people that are afraid. Yeah, you're super yeah. Christians that are going to you know hit you over the head with their Bible. Right. Some but a guy I shows up wearing right. a dress and. Oh my God! Well, what difference does it make? Right. I don't care. It's it's, it's 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 insane. It's like yeah. the gays fought for years to have rights. Yeah. Just as women fought for years, like the you know abortion. I won't go heavy duty and all that. And now everybody's scared because there's a group of people that are trying to take those rights away from you. Mm-hmm. You know the um. And so I understand. You know, saying saying this is who I am or doing that but not to the point where you don't develop you're more than that right you're more than that person you're like you're more than a woman you're more than a man you have a brain you have thoughts you have ideas maybe you're creative maybe you uh, do all kinds of different other things maybe you're the best cook that ever how about presenting yourself not just this one thing but the whole character of you just because Instagram limits the amount of words that you can use in your description of who you are, it doesn't mean that you have to fit that amount of words to be that person. Right. You should be... And I think this comes back to what I was saying, which is when you're hanging out, like we, I like having conversations with you because you and I sort of fall down into these holes and we sort of learn things together and we develop right. things together. And what's great about what we're doing here, right? So we came to stay with you guys here on the Cape and we rented a house that we can all be together in the same space. Mm-hmm. And there are all these different rooms that are fun to be in. There's something really fun about being around people so that you can see, re- really see who how, they how they are, who they are and how they respond to things that are said to them. So, like, if you're hanging out with somebody and you can actually see on their face how they respond to a positive comment or a negative comment, not only are you learning about them, but you're also flexing your empathy muscles because now you have the skills to respond to, like, ooh, my words hurt that person. And it's harder to ignore that when you see it in real life and you see the effects of your words hurting somebody. Yeah, that's true, but also the flip side of that is when you hang out with people or even if you have a conversation with somebody i've had conversations with people at airports Mm -hmm. you all you put yourself into a whole different world Mm -hmm. you're talking to someone that might be a different culture or or whatever and then you end up learning something isn't it weird how when you talk to a stranger like the whole space kind of changes a little bit Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're in a a whole other environment when you're talking to somebody. You feel like you're in this intimate relationship, even though it's only for five minutes, where before you'd be sitting there and you're, you're, maybe I'm the only one that does that. You look around and you start labeling people in your mind. Third person perspective. Yeah, you like, it's like a little game. You think, oh yeah, that guy's not this and this person's not that. And all of a sudden you sit next to maybe somebody who's really grumpy and you say hello and then they open up and you find out that they're grumpy because they got some sort of bad news. Sure. But underneath that, they're like this wonderful person. You've always been good. Even when you came and hung out on our film sets and stuff, you would always talk to strangers. Yeah, I just find people fascinating, and I think by labeling all of us, you know, it's great to be proud of who you are as a person, 
But at the same time, that's not all you are. Yeah. You know, you're the people are missing out on the rest of you. And I think this is a big cause of like suicides and depression and stuff because it's so easy to change your bio. It's so simple to change like how do you define yourself? What are your labels for yourself? And then you're struggling to sort of maintain this image, which is just all fucking false. Like everything about these images are fucking fake. It's terrible. It's just, it's first off, we have to realize that our, we are no longer run by two political parties. We are run by corporations. A hundred percent. And corporations have one thing and one thing only. They want to make money. Yeah. They don't care how they have to make it. They don't care what they have to do to do it. I mean, when you look at the big um, things that happen with like banks and investments, the top guys never go to jail. Yeah. It's some poor slob three levels down that goes to jail that followed orders. Yeah. And they you know? do that so well. They do it in our business where they just hire enough people and they put the people in front of them and they they, they, in, they empower them, quote unquote, empower them with power and they actually have no fucking power. No, and they're, they're just puppets that they use and yeah. then they can get rid of them because there's 3,000 other puppets waiting for that job. Exactly. With you the know, promise it's sad. We have, yeah. we have no... Um, I can't think of the word, but we don't. We have to have respect for ourselves. Everybody talks about respect. This person should respect me. That person. Nobody should respect you. You should respect yourself. Yes. If you respect yourself and you feel true about who you really are, it doesn't matter what that other person is saying. What that other person is saying is really nothing to do with you. It's something that happened to them. It's something in their mind that they have to go out and attack someone because they basically don't feel good about themselves right so if you respect yourself and you feel really good about yourself then what that person says they have no impact on your life no and then if you have that understanding like you said where you go okay so where's this person coming from mm-hmm. it's like when I get negative reviews right so when I read the negative reviews on the movie I will read it instantly and see how they formulate their sentences what their speech pattern mm-hmm. is and you can understand completely where they're coming from. You can understand uh, what they like, what they don't like, why they're having a problem. Are they heated in the moment? Are they looking for attention? You get all this stuff. And these are skills that I'm not learning on the internet. These are skills that I'm taking from real life interactions that I've had with people and then applying them to what's happening on the internet. Well, it's we've become, yeah, I agree with you. And we've become a society that values the horrible stuff. Yeah. It's like, now we have the Karens. Right. I mean, how many Karens are they going to be put on Instagram? You know, these cuckoo mungo crazy people, of all, women and men, have been out there for years. Now we put labels on them, and now you take out your phone, and, oh, look, look at Karen. Look what she's doing. You're a Karen. You're a Karen. Walk away from the person. Right, right. When I was a kid, and uh, you know, and there was someone who was really crazy. There were always a few odd characters when I was growing up, and they lived at home. Some of them could be a little violent. Some of them not. Right. When you saw them coming towards you, you would just cross the street. Right. You didn't get in their face, or if they were trying to get in your face and yell and scream at you. Well, you know, people think that they're going to become internet famous if they go and they oh capture Oh my God, that we stuff. had, where I grew up, I grew up in Alston, and 
we had these, there were a lot of strange people back then, but they, they came out of the woodwork every so often. And it was a, the Hart family. It was Professor Hart, his sister and brother. And like when she did the laundry, she would wash all socks. Her brother's socks, all, only their dress socks. So back Why? then, no, I was scared of her as a kid because she had her hair loose and she kind of looked like a witch. And we, everybody hung their laundry. You're labeling out. her as a witch. I know. She just well, kids think that you know uh-huh. Hansel and Gretel, and she was mean. And little clotheslines would be like five clotheslines, all dress socks. Be like, whoa! Or then the next day, all the, her brother's underwear or. She obviously was... She had OCD or something. Yeah, she had something yeah. going on. But yeah. they moved in, and the neighbors next door put a driveway in. And Doc Hart, that's what the nickname we all had for him, decided that it was on his land. Mm. And he fought with this guy. And the guy, he was a nice guy that lived in the house. He owned a printing company, a small little printing company. And he... Uh, you know, he argued with him that he was wrong. So at midnight, they go out with pickaxe, you know, like the seven dwarfs going to the mines. And they dig up the section of the driveway that they feel is not supposed to be there, that that's their property. And this goes on for like months, tarred over, <laughs> dug up, tarred over. Long story short, when they went to court and they had the thing surveyed, they were right. What they were over the line, like I don't know, inches. Sure, you know. But what did those inches actually do? And what did that battle actually do? All that battle yeah. did was, so the, you know, so today, story. today there would have been if that was going on today. I guess what I was trying to say is today is like a long, long story. People would went out with phones. Yeah, yeah. Look, Karen and whatever they call the guy. Yeah, you know, these are people that are mentally unstable. Right, they have some sort of issue that they they need to either. I mean, but that goes into a whole, whole other conversation of like, should they be medicated or should they actually be treated? You know, because what is treatment in this country right now? It's medication, and there's a whole other industry that's just medicating everybody. Well, again, your corporations—they see how the corporations figured out they could make money when people were in mental institutions. You know, you could, you know. You could put a family member away doing certain things if they were crazy. Like today, they have to sign. Mm-hmm. They put them away, and they'd be in a mental institution. And um, you know, the state would operate these, and they'd put them on low-level medications and nothing heavy duty. So the corporations came up with this great idea. You know, they're losing money on mental institutions, so let's close them, mm-hmm. and we'll open our own clinics. And have our own drugs in there. And then the people have to come and get their drugs every week. Mm. But what you don't realize is if you're schizophrenic and you're on medication and you feel fine now, the side effects to all these medications are horrific for people. So you feel, you know, your mind is clear and you think, why am I taking this? You know, it makes me nauseous. It makes me feel hot. So you go off. And for, you know, maybe a week you feel really good. It's like, yeah, I'm right. Then there's the schizophrenic. It never goes away. You're schizophrenic. And then all the voices come back. And next thing you know, you're not showering, you're not washing. And then you go out and stab someone because they're the devil or something. Yeah, right. They're hallucinating in some sort of way. Right. But corporations made a lot more money by having their own places where they dispense their own drugs. Fucking assholes. And th- th- I mean, that's California's homeless issue. That's why we have so many homeless people in California. They're mentally ill. Well, they close all, I forget the facilities that they close, but they close all those facilities. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, because they can't function in, you know, I'm I'm not saying you have to lock everyone away, but there was no, um, what's the word, not credibility, but when you check on someone. Right, right, accountability. Accountability. Yeah. There was nobody saying, wait a minute, so-and-so hasn't come in and got meds for, you know, so many weeks, somebody's going to go check on him. Right. Right. It's it's wild, man. I mean, like, I'm not uh, a socialist by any means, but this is, we're seeing like the extreme version of capitalism and we're seeing the effects of what's happening with the, you know, quote unquote American dream sort of taking over everything. And, and there's no other way to put it. It just feels at the end of the day when shit, when stuff gets really shitty, it just feels like fucking greed. There's, there's it is. No other it's way basically. To put it. It's it's like look at that woman that or that guy. What was the drug that was not that expensive? And this guy hiked it up beyond belief, and he ended up getting arrested and everything. Oh yeah, I can't remember the specifics. Yeah, well, of it. there's also like insulin. You know, if you're a diabetic, you take insulin to live. Yeah. And they hiked up the price of insulin. This is like a life-threatening thing. If you don't have it, you die. Yeah. So all of a sudden they jacked up the price of insulin. Yeah. And now and because they thought, wow, there's so many people that are on insulin and diabetics, we can make a ton of money. Let's let's get a three hundred percent profit. Yeah. It's that lack of empathy. And yeah. the, the the idea and I don't know, I rant about this a lot on the show, but the idea that our training, the way we train business, the way we train business in business schools is it's just business. It's not bottom personal. Line, bottom bottom line. line. And there's a lack of empathy that happens. And all right, if you're a selfish individual, you should really be looking at this in a selfish way where at some point in time, this is going to, like, they're going to jump over the walls. They're going to drag you out. They're going to kill this you. This is going to be a revolution. Shit. Yeah. Like, so you have to keep the, you have to keep the general public in uh, some form of, of hap- not even happiness, just some sort of well, stability. It's like, it's like Marie Antoinette. It's like, you know, all, now they build, you know, they, they have gated communities yeah. where there were houses, and now they have gated condo yeah. places where they have restaurants, and you can't even go in unless you're, you live in the condo. You can't even go and eat at the restaurant or do anything. Or They're the one percenters or maybe they're two percenters now, have put themselves up so high and locked themselves away from everybody else. I mean, yeah. don't you find it really incredible that all these people that are that invented the internet, that um, did all this stuff, don't let their kids have phones? Yeah, exactly. And, or TVs. Exactly. They take them away. They don't, on want, they don't want their kids having the brainwashing that they're they, giving everybody They else. take them on adventures. They take do all kinds of creative stuff with them. They do yeah. all this stuff. So their children don't even get that. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, you're in the supermarket and a kid under two is... Yep. Cattle. Or you're in a restaurant and people say, well, it keeps them quiet. But you're sitting at a table and you're learning how to communicate you're learning how to, you're learning how to be quiet like you're going through the physical process of but yeah and then you're engaging like if mm-hmm. i was talking about this on um uh last week's episode with bobby when i did the the barbecue pitmaster guy and he was telling me that his roots were uh he came from a family of moonshiners so like his his grandparents used to create their own with their own moonshine and they would do these giant barbecues. They bury pigs, and that's where he learned to barbecue, and that's how he found his love for food. That's and, wild. And I said to him, I jokingly said to him, like, 
it's kind of like my family and I laughed. I go, we weren't moonshiners. But what you guys used but to do. But you forgot what our family was. You forgot what my mother's mother and my grandfather were bootleggers. Oh, I did forget this. Yes. Oh, when you said right. mother, they went up to Canada. They had one incident. Uh, my, my mother never talked about it. My aunt did. Mm-hmm. And my mother said, oh, she's crazy. They had, um, they lived in Brighton and they had this secret room in their house. Oh. A panel came out and if they couldn't deliver the alcohol or whatever, it was put in there. And one time they were being chased. Really? Yeah. They were being chased. They were trying to get across the border and they were being chased and they had to let the car go over the cliff. And they also, <laughs> they had in the car, the they didn't put it in the trunk. They had the back seat was hollowed out uh-huh. and they sometimes would take the kids with them and the kids would be sitting on the, the, the seat of all the booze and when they got stopped and saw the kids they just let them go mm. yeah my grandmother um was a very savvy woman she the money she got she opened up numerous businesses mm. yeah so mr moonshine bootleggers. <laughs> so it's closer than i thought yeah well, yeah, I was joking about it, and I said that um, one of the things, the, the reason why I like to be entertained and the reason why I like to cook and the reason why I like to put on uh, parties and events and stuff is because of how I grew up with you guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, the big joke is that when I was a toddler and a high chair dad would pull me over to the stove and he would cook with oh, me. It wasn't a joke. It was serious. I mean, your father was, and I, ta- I talked about this before, and I'll just say it very quickly, he was so thrilled to have a child. And a son, oh my God, it was like a gift from heaven. <laughs> and he cloned himself to you, literally. Mm-hmm. Anytime he was home, he was with you, with you. And when he talked to you, he would get, he never did it with any of the other kids, but he would get, literally physically get down to your level and talk to you. I would just give you, a, you know, I'd throw you in your room, you're mm-hmm. in, I don't want to hear it. But he would be like, no, 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 why do you think this? And da 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 da. So he. When you got up in the morning, you went right into the bedroom and you wanted breakfast and he would take you downstairs and he would pull the high chair right up to the stove, get out the frying pan, whatever he was going to cook, and he would talk to you. Mm-hmm. And he would cook all, all the stuff for you. And then when he decided to try as a side business catering with his dad, and that's another storybook, he had you in the kitchen in the high chair while pans of stuff was being made and food mm-hmm. was being made. And he explained things to you, and you know he taught you how to cook. Mm-hmm. And then there's this this sense of like what we were talking about with kids in a restaurant and not giving them an iPad. There's a sense of understanding. You start to look around. You start to see, especially as, I think as a, as a kid, you're so receptive to emotional context because you really can't communicate as well as an adult does. So you're just sort of trying to process everything. You seem to be hyper aware of how people react to things. Well, the thing is that what they're learning too is when you see a restaurants a lot, there's usually multi-generations going out to eat. Like the grandparents might be going out or an aunt and uncle, and instead of them taking the little crayons and coloring, they're sitting there in tune to this, so they could be anywhere, and they're not seeing, pick, they're stuff. Not seeing their own family. Right. They're not getting. They're not tuning into like what's being said and who's doing what and oh my aunt's funny or boy my uncle's this or that. I notice with my own grandson that he'll be he'll say things to me like, "Are you mad or happy?" Mm-hmm. 
you know, and because he's, they're tuned in to the emotions around them. So if all their emotions are put onto a phone yeah, and not people, how do they read anyone later in life? Right. And if their emotions are being triggered based upon what's being sold to them and how they're mm-hmm. feeling in that moment. And then, you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this with kids because this is how it is with adults. This is mm-hmm. how it is as you get older. And these, these, I'm waiting for the time period, probably 15 years from now, when people are going to talk about phones as, as the same way they talk about cigarettes. And they're going to say, I can't believe that an entire culture was so tuned into these things. They were so detrimental to us health-wise. They're so de- like it, they're physically changing the pathways in our brains because we're flooding them so much with dopamine. We're flooding them so much with uh, sort of this happiness, this false happiness that I don't know if you feel the same way, but if I'm on the phone for a long time doing stuff or if I'm responding to people, I'm exhausted by the time I get off. Yeah, you know, I don't get to do much. I shouldn't say, yeah, yes. I don't get to do much on the phone. So when we got to this house, because we have our grandson living with us and we help watch him, the first thing I did was I started texting people I haven't talked to in a while. Mm -hmm. And then I found myself, here I am, haven't seen you in a while, and I found myself on the phone. And that's why I said last night, I'm just going to put this down. Yeah, it's very addictive. And your, your dad, who I never thought, you know, he was anti-phone, and he only got us phones years and years ago because of business, and um, he's on it all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of holes that you can fall down in. That. He's on it all the time, and he, he also he couldn't operate the television. I have to change that whole setup, but we have like we're the people that have like ten remotes. Mm-hmm. Now he can turn it on. He can watch programs. <laughs> I, I didn't even know you could get YouTube, YouTube on TV. I mean, he's like, he's like, who is this man? <laughs> so here's an older guy doing all this. So what chance does that two-year-old or three or four or five-year-old have? You know, and, and people say things like, well, they won't, they won't know how to use this. Children pick up things very quickly when they're learning. Yeah. And I forget what they said that by the time you're three years old a lot of your brain function is working. So if you have filled that little person's brain with cartoons, with the phone, with instant gratification mm-hmm. constantly, what are they going to end up being? Well, now what's scary is when you start to talk about the content creation that people are watching, you start to talk about the stuff that we do and the big argument now with AI, artificial intelligence. I don't even want to think of that. It's crazy. And when <sighs> you when you think about... So if someone hires me to come in and do a kid show, right, and they have to hire me, the money person has to hire me because they physically don't know how to do what it is that I do. So then I come into the space and they say, hey, here's the deal. We have a warehouse full of these fucking teddy bears. So we need you to, to, to uh, write a TV show that is going to build a character around these teddy bears that we can then sell to these kids. So I go in there and why am I there? Is it because I like teddy bears? Most likely not. Is it because I'm a storyteller and I need money? Most likely. So you go into the situation and you go, all right, so I got I need to do this because I want to buy a house or I need to do this because I need to make rent. All right, how can I tell a story that I'm okay with telling? So I'm in between the money people and the storytelling by saying, well, how about I tell a story about what it was like to grow up with a brother? And so I try to hide that into whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm going to make this show about teddy bears to sell the warehouse full of teddy bears. But the next thing you know, it's a really great show about brotherhood and brothership and all that kind of stuff. 
that's going to disappear with AI because the people that want to sell a warehouse full of teddy bears can then go online and type in what they need in AI and AI will go, all right, we're going to examine every other toy show that ever existed and what the great thing that those toy shows did and what the results of no that creativity. was. It's not going to have any human interaction. And what it's going to have at that point is just regurgitated stories from our past, which we're getting right now, but there's always that human that's in between it that's experiencing life in the moment right now. So like if someone's like, well, that's just a Shakespearean play, and you go, yeah, it is a Shakespearean structure, but the person that's writing it lived in Brooklyn and went through this whole Latino family thing, and so that's this whole new element that's being added into that. It's not like you're going to be able to get that with AI. AI is just going to remix. Well, they're basically, don't you love the guy that practically invented it coming out and apologizing? Did yeah. you see that? Yeah, I did see that. It's like, you know, you let the monster out of the closet. It's a little late. Like fucking Oppenheimer and shit. Yeah, like, it's yeah, like, yeah. again, it's like, you know, I'm sure the guy that did the atom bomb would like to apologize too. It's yeah. like, yeah. It's like you create these things because you can, and but you don't think of maybe it shouldn't be created and what are the repercussions of this? You know, you create things without having any moral compass and thinking what is the domino effect of having this. I told you that before I moved out of here and I had a non-disclosure agreement so I won't tell what company it was, but I worked, uh, I went to a car place, and I might have said this on the show, I went to a car place, they hired me to come in and film. So I came in, I didn't know what I was filming, walked into this place that was a pretty big car manufacturer here. And uh, I had my camera and I go, what are we filming? And they said, oh, there's going to be a surrogate robot that comes into this room and on that robot will be the face of this the owner of this company ceo whatever he was of this company and he'll be projected on this and he's going to introduce this new line of stuff so we want you to film the robot and i said okay <laughs> so this robot comes wheeling in and on the screen is this japanese dude who owns this company and he's there and he's just like automated cars and he starts talking about cars i'm going to automate all these vehicles and he goes um and so i this came to me in a dream i had a dream that i was a bee and i was flying around as this bee and i was flying with all these other bees and we were all flying together what did he take that night crazies and he's like this is my dream to do this so I finished shooting this this crazy android robot thing, and then he leaves the room, and you know me, I can't keep my mouth shut. And I'm in the room with a bunch of the scientists that are developing these cars, and I said to them, I go, do you guys ever look outside this room? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, do you ever look at the repercussions of what it is that you're doing? And he's like, well, it's going to be amazing if we, if we create automated cars, then that will uh, get rid of traffic. And car accidents and I said well why aren't automated cars out in the street right now he goes well the biggest problem for us are humans so the automated cars can't figure out what human beings are gonna do and I said so how are you gonna make this work they go well we're just gonna price out humans so that they all have to go automated cars so that now they're all automated cars no matter what and I go how's this game gonna work well you'll have companies like Amazon but these other companies that will own all the vehicles on the road and with your subscription service, that is the same service that you use to go get your groceries. 
you can order a car that will show up. It'll be an automated vehicle, a car, a truck, and then it'll go around. And I said, yeah, but there's only a certain amount of cars that can be on the road. Well, you can pay certain tiers for the car to show up at certain points and certain, certain things. And I said to them, do you ever think about the repercussions of what you're doing, the industries that you're going to shut down? All of the, all of the people that are in car support, mechanics, all the people that do all that stuff, they're all going to be out of work. All the truckers will be out of work. All these people that need that as their livelihood and people that aren't doing that job begrudgingly, people that like that, that's who they are. Some people come from family generations of mechanics and that's what they love to do is work on vehicles and stuff. You're decimating those industries and they always phrase it in such a way, which is this is progress. Mm -hmm. Why do you stand in the way of progress? How often have we had to deal with and try to repair what progress has done? Well, also, if you flip the coin the other way, they're taking away your freedom of choice. Exactly. They're taking away your freedom of driving your own car. They're taking away your freedom of uh, competition of everything else. They're making it into a closed society. Yep. And you are now, you are now, you might as well have a number on your shirt. Yep. You're number 10, get in the car. Yep. It's like, you know, the, the big thing about, at least it was in this country, was, you know, the freedom of being able to decide for yourself your life. Yep. And today, they're taking it away. The insurance companies, not the doctors, now decide if you can have medications that will save your life, or are we going to give you a generic, or are we going to, you know, are we going to do this, or are we going to do that? Right now, there is a shortage of certain chemo medications mm. so people that have cancer are not getting treatments because they're made in different countries and there's been issues and there was uh, contamination and all kinds of stuff our country has given away everything we don't produce anything here let's you know we don't you know drugs used to be made in our country all the cars were made in our country we took away all the jobs from people. Now we're going to put robots in. We can't even give you medication for you to survive now because mm -hmm. you know we ha it was cheaper to put this way out in Thailand or somewhere. So we're now become a society where you are not thought of at all. No. You know, COVID came along. It crashed the whole medical system. If you have to go in the hospital, if you have to have treatments and you have to have stuff done, staff is overworked, there's shortages that people don't even know about, and they try to give you the best care they can, and then they can't because they're exhausted, and then the insurance company comes in and ties their hands. Yeah. They have no problem taking a life-saving drug and pricing it out of your insurance coverage and out of the range for you to have it to live. Yep. So I'm not surprised that they're going to take away your freedom to drive. Yep. And and here's the thing. I know that when you start to hear stuff like this, people glaze over. They get a lot of anxiety. There's a sense of anxiety that happens where they go, well, what can we do? And this is happening without us. The Don't buy it. That's it, man. The truth of the fact of all of it is, is that you're financing this. Right. Each and every one of us, unemployed uh, like low, like low uh, income individuals, we're all ordering things on Amazon consistently. We're all I am. we're funding this, and and when people say there's nothing you can do, don't give it any attention. 
Don't buy it. Don't respond to it. Don't say negative things about it. Don't even, don't put it on the internet. Just don't buy it. And we're such a consumer-based culture. And these companies, if they go two quarters without making a profit, they will change their ways. They fire everybody and start over. They'll start all over again. And so well, you can very easily adjust how things are, are played in this country. Well, there's just, and I, and I sound so negative today, and I don't want to be. There's just so much stuff out there. People are numb now because you have so much negativity about the food, your environment, everything you buy, everything you do, it's making you sick. Yeah. So even if you say, okay, I'll plant my own stuff, the dirt you're using has stuff in it. I mean, so we've become a society where we're so, every day you turn around, there's more negative things, more negative things. This is going to cause cancer. You can't do this. You got to eat this. You got to, you know, you want to get your circulation going, put your face in a bucket of ice. You know, it's like right, all these, all all these things. things people are getting hit with. And they don't realize that they're distractions. Right. You're, right. you're getting hit with all this crazy stuff all the time. And the guy behind the curtain is doing really bad stuff, Mr. Corporation, yeah. and you don't know it. Yep. Half the time, whenever I see these social battles that happen online, they usually happen conveniently right around a period of time when someone is potentially going to be outed for doing something terrible or something mm-hmm. happens. These corporations have done such a good job of getting us so worked up about the dumbest shit that really doesn't fucking matter. No, it's like it's like there was stuff that you should be aware of and you don't want to do, but at the same token, it's like I found out the other day. Um, you know, we're all trying to buy organic. I'm trying to be healthier, and uh, this guy comes on and he, he says, um, "You know, you go into uh, Whole Foods and you're buying organic. Flip it over before you buy it." If it's shipped from China, it's not organic. <laughs> They've been killing people with their own food there. So here you are in Whole Foods, and you're paying an arm and a leg for something. That just has the organic fucking yeah. signature on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, who's Whole Foods? Amazon. Oh, yeah. Well, look at the Whole Amazon. Foods, a huge example. And we talked about this yesterday, is that Whole Foods was, you know, a group in California put it together. And what they did was they bought from local farms and local bakeries and they put together this fabulous food that you know was so healthy for you and amazon came in and they cut all the contracts with that mm-hmm. all of a sudden the bread that you really loved they've substituted with another bread and you turn it around the back of it and you're like oh my goodness there's like 22 ingredients to this bread yeah. but the other bread was like wheat flour eggs it's like whoa and I guess when we talk about this stuff, when you guys hear us talk about this stuff on the show, we're not trying to give you anxiety for these no. things. I just think that it's wake up. It's important to talk about what's actually happening for real, so that way it's in your head. Well, wake up and make good choices for yourself. Yeah. Don't don't get on the latest fad that's going on. You know, don't be having to label yourself and and everybody has to call you certain names and do things. Don't make that the most important thing in your life. The most important thing in your life should be how you are caring for yourself, mm-hmm. how you relate to other people, what you see for yourself in five years. I mean, no matter how old you are, you should be saying, five years from now, what am I going to be like? Right. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if you could get your history out if you if you could go back in time and just have 
have a look at you, have your five-year-old self show up, have your 15-year-old self show up, you're in the 20s, 30s, 40s, however old you are, and they talk to you and you think, wow, how much have I changed? Right. I am, I, that five-year-old, she's gone. Yep. That 15-year-old, boy, she was naive, she's gone. That 20-year-old, she's lucky she made it out alive, all the clubs she went to. I mean, if you started looking and then by being able to go back a little bit and look at your history can kind of tell you how you got to where you are now. Right. And years ago, you got to where you are now by experience. Today, young people are getting to get where they are now by people telling them who they should Should be. be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Mm Mm-hmm. Who you should be. This is what you should wear. You should use this makeup. You should buy these clothes. You're not going to be happy unless you have all of this stuff. And instead of just looking in the mirror at yourself and saying, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. I don't need to have all of this stuff to make me feel good about myself. I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you die, you don't take any of that material stuff with you. Right. I know when my mom died, and all the stuff she loved and adored, I mean, the whole house changed. It was like her spirit was gone. So all the things that seemed so beautiful and great weren't anymore because she wasn't there. Right. She made those things feel beautiful and great. And she didn't take them with her. No. And no matter how many of those things you took for yourself to try to keep the spirit of this person that's gone, it's not there. Yeah. People don't realize that. When, like when someone dies, you don't have to have all their things. Maybe you want one little memento. Inside of you is that person. That's where they live on, is in your memory. It, they're in you. They're in how you present them and how you feel about them and what you think about them. So why are you collecting all this stuff that somebody, when you die, somebody's going to have to unload? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, those... Precious moment statues that you thought were so great fifty years ago are worth nothing. Well, when I think of when I think of my grandmother, I don't think about. I mean, sure, I remember she would dress really great, and she mm-hmm. had her rings, and she had her stuff. But there mm-hmm. were just those moments with her, like making apple pies and doing things, mm-hmm. or just sitting in the in the the front room and reading and hanging out with her in the front room or on the porch. She had the porch with the swing that we would sit on, and we would do that kind of thing. It's, it's those memories that are the essence of that individual. So today, instead of trying to create memories, you're laying yourself with material things, trying to make yourself feel better. I never, that just came to me now. You're laying yourself with all these material things that, and it's never, it's a hole you're trying to fill that you can never fill. Yeah. So you keep going on to get the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and you never stop and say, who am I really? Why do I have this hole? Like, what right. is this hole? What do I really need? Yeah. You know, do I need five more dresses? Do I need to have the latest makeup? Do I need to paint five layers of makeup on my young skin to make me look a certain way? Yeah. Because you don't. No, I can't. You know, everybody likes a little makeup or lipstick or whatever. You know, present yourself as you. And you know if somebody doesn't if somebody doesn't like you and you and you end up spending your time trying to change their opinion of you you're wasting effort 
Because if, if someone lets you know they don't like you, they're never going to like you, and you don't need them. Yeah, who cares? You don't need them in your life. Yeah, who cares? Like, it, there's this urgency to impress, and there's this urgency to to validate yourself with people that really doesn't need to exist. And, and the byproduct, when you meet somebody who isn't in that game and they're not trying to do that sort of thing, they seem like the most vibrant person that when they're you meet wonderful. them. Yeah. When you run, like when you run across, when women get older, the, one of the privileges of being able to live long enough to get older as a woman, and it usually starts in your 50s and into your 60s and 70s, is suddenly... You don't care what that other person thinks anymore. Yeah. And you suddenly you like vibrant clothes. You want to wear reds. You want to you want to put on wild looking jewelry. You want to do all this stuff. You don't want to ever go back and be that younger version of yourself because that younger version of yourself was struggling and had so much anxiety and mm-hmm. was fearful of things. And now you're like, okay, I'm going to wear this out. If you don't like it or if someone doesn't like it, that's too bad. I feel I love this sweater. I feel great. I'm going to go out. I'm going to try. I'm going to um, try something different. I read this article that said when you're older, one of the best things you can do for yourself to live longer. What do you think it is? I don't know. Surround yourself with younger people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear Surround that. yourself with younger people because younger people have, they're alive, they're vibrant, they have all these ideas, they're exciting, they want to talk to you. Uh, you, you farming you out to an old age home. Uh, yeah, you just, you slowly rot. Yeah. Yeah, you slowly so, rot. You know, I guess we'll, my advice to young people today is to find who you are. As soon as you can, try right. it earlier on. And, yeah. And try not to say no to things. Try not to try different things. I mean, I was a great knower to everything. Me too, when I was younger. You know, when I first, the first time I got cancer, that kind of changed it. It was like, okay, why am I saying no to everything? What's the worst thing that can happen? And then at the same token, things that you really don't want to do, have the courage to say no. It sounds opposite of each other. But if there's a new experience or to go out or to be around someone you've never been around, try it. But if there's something that you're being forced to do that you really don't want to do and you're trying to please somebody else to do it. That's the key. You're trying to please somebody else and you know that there's something that that you don't necessarily want. You don't want that. That that is giving you so much anxiety. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. You know? It's like like I said to your dad when I reached my 50s and... He was in banking and a president and CEO and all that. And I used to have to go to all these, you know, dinners and um, conventions. And I was always pleasant and told funny stories. And I said to him, you've reached your dream now. I am no longer. You don't need the support. You don't. I did my job. I'm no longer going to another rubber chicken dinner and putting a smile on and listening to some person that in a million years I would not want to be around. Yeah. Yeah, you know, some closed-mouthed person that's saying horrible things, and I'm not, and I can't respond back to them because, because of the political, the political uh, implications yes, of your yes, job, and I have to sit yes. there and smile. No, yeah, no, no. I, I hear you. Well, there's something really great. Like we took Gina's grandmother out uh, when we went and saw her. We're close. We took Gina's grandmother out when we went and saw her in Boston. I don't have my phone with me, and. Um, 
we uh, she, we were like, hey, do you want to go to Newbury Street? She goes, I hate going down there. She's like, I hate it. It's so busy. It's so terrible. There's no parking. And I said, are you sure? Said, no. And I was, I was like, we're going to take you. You don't have to drive. You don't have to park. We'll buy you lunch. Newbury Street's fun. And we, we get there. We're walking around. She goes, look how beautiful it is. And she's walking around. She goes, look at it. It's gorgeous. And the flowers are beautiful. And then we took her to Italy. And I know how she is. So we went into Italy. And I said to her before we ordered, I go, I'm buying lunch. And you eat with other people. Yeah. And you're with other people. And you're in this space. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't have to look at the prices. So then she could just let it all go at that point. And then once she's sitting there, she's like, what do we get to drink? And she had seen Lemoncello. We were walking through and she saw a bottle of Lemoncello, which is this uh, Italian liqueur. liqueur. made from lemons. And so she'd seen it. She goes, I like that. I've seen that before. So when we sat down, she was like, I just want like a lemonade. And so we ordered her a Lemoncello spritz. And we didn't tell Ooh. her what it was. And so it comes and she drinks it. She goes, what is this? And we said, it's <laughs> lemonade. It's Lemoncello spritz. And she loved it. She goes, how do you bake it? And Gina had taken a picture of the recipe. And so Gina... Gave her the recipe, and she goes, I can make this for my girlfriends. And then we eat the food, and her, because she's not worried about what it's costing, mm-hmm. her eyes open up, and she's like, this is the best ravioli I've ever had in my life. And then we go, do you want to walk? We finish our meal. Do you want to walk through the place? We look at food. And then we go, let's go for a walk down Newbury Street. She goes, this is so amazing. And so two days later, when we were leaving, we said to her, like, it was really great to see you. What was your favorite thing here and she goes Newbury Street I'm taking my girlfriends down to Newbury Street give me the recipe for the limoncello spritz and it was just because she's an older lady she's in her own method she's in her own way she's not really engaging with younger people all the time Mm -hmm. she went on an adventure right and you miss you miss out I mean I miss you living in LA and I'm glad that you're where you're supposed to be Um, but you miss out when you don't when you don't engage with people of all ages, I mean, for me right now, it's been a trip having a a two and a half year old. Yeah. I mean, I am now seeing things through the eyes of a whole different person, you know, who's not completely formed yet. And I can tell him anything I want. Right. You know, and he's not going to go bullshit. Yeah, right. He's going to go, tricky. his eyes are going to get big and go, really? You know, <laughs> really? That they can do that? Oh, yeah. You know, as opposed to when you get older, you, when people get older, they don't, when they get retired, they don't talk about their jobs anymore. That kind of goes out the window. They're not, you're not trying to impress anyone. Sure. But when you have like a toddler, someone your age, the rest of my children's age. Um, I'm in a book group and we have women of different ages. And you get opinions from different people and even from a little guy like that. It's like you forget that the world is so different for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's eyes are different at different ages of what they see. Yeah. And you forget the wonder of a little kid like that, that everything is new to him, everything. The trees, the grass, everything. And I say the same thing about older folks. I think we have such a fascination with youth and our culture because oh, they're so terrible. easy to sell to. And I think that when you when you think it, I, when I lived with Granddad for a while, but back in Boston, wild guy, very wild guy. But when you get older, I think you get worried about your health, and then there's a lot of routine stuff that happens, and you sort of get you get 
locked in this rhythm of like, I got to take my meds. And this is what's happening. And I can't go that far because my leg hurts and my body hurts and blah, 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 blah. And that becomes this rhythm and this, this cycle. And when I started to hang out with Granddad, he was very much in his cycle and his rhythm. But then he always was. As you talk to him over time and as we spend more time together, he starts to, his little rhythm breaks. And so then he's like, oh, well, how are you doing this? And then he used to tell me that he, he used to say to me, like, you're not making enough money doing movies. You should do porno. That's what oh, he said. Lord, help <laughs> us. You should do more pornography. And I was like, yeah, really? He, he would have been do- right on the set. To <laughs> yeah. do more pornography. Huh? But the thing that was interesting is that once, and I guess I'm saying this because a lot of people avoid, younger people avoid older folks because they feel like they're depressing or mm-hmm. they feel like they're stuck in their ways. And if you look at them not as an older folk, you look at them as a human being and you understand that they just need to be experiencing what you're experiencing. The side effect that comes with that is that suddenly you're getting opinions from older folks that now have an understanding. You now understand what reels are, as I bring this back. (laughs) You now understand what Instagram is, but you're able to process the same thing that we all know as kids beyond the person that it was marketed to with all of your years of experience raising kids and everything. And so now you're giving me interesting feedback on on a, what is created as an internal loop by a corporation. Right. You're actually breaking that loop. And I think that corporations don't like us uh, to, think. to think. And I think the byproduct of, of putting older folks on a pedestal or, or, or giving credence to older stories is that it makes it harder for them to sell things. It makes it harder for well, them to Well, also you have package. to realize that the human experience on a certain level is the same. Yes. You know, from infancy to old age. To death, yeah. To death. You are going to experience the same things that I am experiencing at this age when you get to this age. So to be able, and there are some old people that don't want to be around kids. They're cranks. I always looked at old people. If they were nasty, I always thought they were nasty when they were young. Yeah, they probably had a problem. Yeah, you know, this is the, their, their personality is just magnified. Yeah. But the thing that you learn with older, being around a more knowledgeable person is they can say to you, you know, that's that's the tough time in your life. Yeah. You know, that's a transition time. It's going to be hard for you, but there are things that you can do to make that easier. Yes. You know, uh, these are the mistakes I made. You you're probably going to make them too, but there are other alternatives that you could try to make your life better. Or there's things that you can do to get the things that you need. Yes. You know, we've had we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all that stuff. So we had to be creative to be able to get what we need. I don't know what young people would do today if the internet just shut down for a month. Yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't know how to do anything. They don't. It's like they can't read cursive writing. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And they stop teaching it at schools instead of embracing it. And they, you know, they try to print. They can't add. They can't subtract because they do everything on their phone. They're not, they're not. They don't realize that as you read up on the development of your brain, there are certain things that you need to do to keep your brain active, so those parts of your brain don't slowly die off. Right. When certain parts of your brain die off, they don't come back. Right. So there's things that older people can say to you, like you know what, don't fuck up your knees. Yeah. You shouldn't be swearing. You know, you can, if, if, you, if your knees bothering you, you have an issue. Don't ignore it. Go see someone because that will follow you the rest of your life. Right. 
there are things that you can do so that you don't end up being a knee replacement person or a hip replacement person. You know, there is information they can give you so that you don't have to suffer the same things that they did. You can kind of jump over it. Yeah. If you're looking at it that way, I think a lot of times younger folks roll their eyes when someone older tries to, to tell them something because... Honestly, I feel like it's a direct response of the marketing towards them because when things are marketed towards kids, it's always like better than what your parents did. And this, but your parents don't understand this. I agree to that this. too, but it's also, you have to, we tend to preach, so you have to present it in a way that isn't, that, preaching. That isn't preaching. And they have yeah. the opportunity to say, no, I mean, if you, if I give you advice and you think about it and you, then you don't, you, no, that's not for me, you have the freedom of the choice. Yeah. But if you say to them, hey, if you're like a real jerky older person, you say, you know, oh, you're going to be sorry with that knee. What do you, you know, you're not taking care of that. Good, you're going to be limping for the rest of your life. I mean, if you. Yeah, it's all negative and yeah, low. Yeah, and then you're like, well, you know what? Hey, have a nice day. I took water aerobics years ago when I was younger. I was in my 40s. And there were old people in the class. And two of my girlfriends went. And one of the nice things, and it sounds terrible to say now, was that when I put the bathing suit on, no matter how it looked, I had a younger body. <laughs> so we're in the pool, and this older guy, I have physical issues, and this older guy I had to be on the deep end. He kept like, I think he had a crush on me. He kept doing, you know, he would try to impress me with his water robes, right? <laughs> and he would lift his legs so high, I would be like getting hit with a tidal wave. I'm like sputtering and holding on to the edge of the pool. He's like a five-year-old trying to impress him. Yeah, and then one day he came in and he was smiling. And he always had this frown. When you get older, your face kind of falls down, so you have to be aware of that. So he always had this frown on. And I never said anything to him. And he came in and he was smiling like, a fool the whole time in the pool. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm getting tidal wave. Now I got this weird, creepy smile coming my way. And I got, I said, we'll say his name was Bob. I said, hey, Bob, what's going on? He said, I took this like ballet class exercise thing, and there's a big mirror on the wall, and I saw my face, and I have a permanent frown. Oh. So <laughs> I am smiling from now on. <laughs> Bob, you might I, want to work on it, Bob. I have to say to him, you're staring at <laughs> Yeah, Bob, you might want to work on that smile. Go back to that mirror, buddy. Go back. Oh, I said, well, that's really good. And the other funny part was the lifeguard was 80 years old. <laughs> Who's he saving? <laughs> well, he's in good shape. And the instructor... Uh, he was a coach. He was like 83 or something. I mean, they could have swim us in a second. Yeah, yeah. And the um, lifeguard had a crush on her. One of my girlfriends <laughs> was like, oh, this is incredible. And he would come over and tell her her swim form was so great and all this. And she was Jean, you know, Jean. Yeah. And she was oblivious. And Kathy and I are like laughing hysterical. She has no idea that he's using this as a method to hit on her. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the selling pitch. Maybe I'll go and teach up with all the young ladies how to swim. <laughs> I'll find myself a girlfriend. That was fun. That was so much fun because you know what? Nobody cared what you look like. Nobody, uh, it was not like competition on any level. And um, Well, there's something interesting about mixing ages. It uh, is. Like when I, I, I had that when I was younger, when I did the art classes with dad and I was a teenager and I was in the same art classes, like 40 year olds, 50 year olds. 
and uh, you know was treated as an equal in that space, which was great. So it uh, is. It's like you miss out. You miss out if you cut children out of your life. You don't have to have a kid. No. But if you don't talk to a child or a teenager, you don't interact with that age group. You're missing out on the enthusiasm they have. Yeah. As you get older, you kind of lose. You have to gear yourself up to be enthusiastic about stuff. So you're missing out on seeing everyday things that you take for granted through their eyes that's brand new to them. Yeah. You yeah, because you're living vicariously through folks. Right. And you yeah. and you have and you're it's like, wow, all of a sudden you have an appreciation for, oh wow, the, you know, the grass is really things are really green and um and the rain. Um your dad took um uh our grandson to a multicultural event at the school and we live in Mashby where the Wampanoags Indian um, Wampanoags Native Americans are and they had uh, Wampanoag children mm-hmm. dancing a traditional dance in the whole full uniform and our uh, grandson was fascinated of course it's colorful it's it colorful it was music and they uh, they said oh come on up on the stage and you know your dad he's right up there and our grandson doesn't hold people's hands easily and he was telling me the story and he said and I held this boy's hand and he had this he had on the costume and he had all these colors and I thought wow Look mm-hmm. at the enthusiasm for this little 15 minute mm-hmm. where, you know, we might be like, eh, you know. Well, there's something to be said. I guess we should probably wrap this episode up, but there's something to be said about. I said talk forever. No, we, we always end up on these, these really Long, good. Long, drawn out. Really good tangents about humans. And I think that's what's great. That's what you and I have always connected on. I think a lot right. of the stuff that we talk about consistently as human beings and how people are interacting to end it up from my end the best advice i could give anyone of any age is to think about how you who you really are and what you want out of life yes i don't mean money i don't mean houses and stuff like that but what do you what do you want to be i mean do you want to be this negative, horrible person that's going around and, like, you know, the sky's falling, chicken little? You don't want to be this other person that buries your head in the sand, but you want to be someone of substance. You want to have a substance to you. Mm-hmm. You want to be someone that, you know, read. Mm-hmm. Be well read. Um, you know, read in different newspapers, read different people's points of views, editorials. Don't be getting everything from these people that pop up on Instagram or Facebook or... Yeah, because it's all curated. A TikTok and all that. Start looking at things where people, other people of substance that have ideas. You might not agree with them, but be knowledgeable. That's basically it. Don't be fed stuff and take it in and say, oh, this is it. And I talk about this all the time, too. Like, if you're out somewhere... If you're in a bar, let's say you're going to go out and meet with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or one of your friends, and you get to the bar early, mm-hmm. right? And you sit down at the bar, you order a drink. Don't just go on your phone because you're all by yourself. Talk, Talk to, to the, the bartender. To Talk to the person next to you. What you end up doing is you end up meeting these people, and everybody is as hungry as you are to find themselves. And everybody, like, it. It doesn't matter where you're from. You could be from Afghanistan. You could be from Europe. You could be from Mexico. Everybody wants the same thing. They want to be happy. 
and they they're all fed a different line of what true happiness is depending upon where you grow up what country you live in also if you talk to someone that's sitting at the bar next to you and they say they're like in a really happy mood and they say to you oh my goodness you cannot believe i just went to this wonderful place Mm-hmm. I never thought I would travel there or go there. And they start telling you about it. And all of a sudden, you know about some place that you didn't know about five seconds ago when you walked through the door. Or they say, I'm so happy, I'm engaged. Yeah. You know, or I'm celebrating, or I'm from out of town and it's really nice to talk to someone. It's kind of lonely being here on your own. You know, I mean, the interaction with people. Or you could, you know, be careful you don't want to interact with a serial killer either. But, but even then, you're learning something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whoa, what is that? In your, how come you have so many knives in that yeah, jacket? Yeah. Why are those stains on your pants a weird pattern? Oh, my God. Yeah. Why do you have muddy footprints all around the bar here? Well, I think many people that listen to the show, and this will be the end of it, but many people that listen to the show are storytellers. They want to be storytellers. Mm-hmm. They want to... Uh, have individual voices for stuff and I think the the best thing that you can physically do this is why I did part why I did bar safaris the best thing that you can do is engage with people and engage with people that aren't your age engage with people that are older oh my goodness the that stories are younger, the stories that you can get from individuals you can you know? it's not like you're stealing stories from people you're just being inspired no, by their it's life like events. You're, it's like are, you're getting knowledge. Yes. You're collecting knowledge. You yes. make, people forget many, many years ago, history was told by word of mouth. Yes. So you are picking up pieces of history, a, pe- a history of somebody's life, maybe a snap here, a snip there. You are getting it word of mouth with the emotions, with the whole thing. Unfiltered. Yeah. Which is great because most stories that are put online that you're reading... They're edited. They're filtered. If you get a text from somebody, it's edited. It's filtered. But when you talk to someone in real life, they're flubbing their way through it. They're trying to discern what they're feeling and their excitement that they're feeling, and immediately translate it through their mouth into words. But you don't, yeah, because you don't. You, when you start talking, you just talk. You don't. You, you, you don't. You're, you're as you said, you don't anything. filter yourself. And, yep. And everybody has. They used to say everybody has one good book in them. Mm-hmm. Everyone has at least one great story. Yes. And it might be horrible, or it might be funny, or it might be like, wow, just looking at you, I never thought you'd be the type of person that would jump out of a plane in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, what, you ran drugs? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you did both of those? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, we should end this. Yep. We got stuff to do today. Thanks for being on the show. It's always a pleasure. It was fun talking to you. I always forget I'm on the show when I talk to you. Yeah. It's always a pleasure to chat about people. It's wonderful. And uh, it's great. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, You're excused. Oh, I can leave. Oh, please. I'm so old. I don't know if I can get out of this room. <laughs> There's that little chair lift on the stairs, like in Gremlins. Yeah, Just take I, that down. I almost tripped over this threshold last night and flung myself downstairs. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Before I let you guys go, thank you, everybody, for following me on Instagram, following me at Mike Petchy on Instagram, or following the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod on Instagram. Uh, yes, uh, 12cam went viral again in India, and I am desperately trying to respond to all the DMs. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I'm also on vacation, so deal with it, <laughs> but I'm getting to it. I spend a few hours making it happen. So thank you for supporting me, supporting the show. And, um, I'll try to do another episode while I'm out here on the East coast and I'll be back in Los Angeles next week. Uh, new episodes are on the way, bigger guests. Uh, I've got some people that are lined up, um, and I'm just going to jump in pretty heavily. Uh, I've been getting a lot of questions. Yes, I am going to Cinegear in Los Angeles this year. Cinegear is happening on the Paramount Studios lot. Um, check it out. Google Cinegear. Uh, it's a great convention for, and they don't sponsor me, so they're a great convention um, for all sorts of new equipment, new gear that's coming out, but it's also a great place to meet folks. Um, I will be there. Um, I think I'm going to be there with my buddy Rick. I think Rick Darge will be coming. Uh, Cruda is in town. David Cruda, cinematographer. David Cruda, he ha- is the one that created Cinematography Salon. Their podcast, they just started their podcast. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, he's going to be in town. And I think there's going to be a Cinematography Salon party that's happening that we'll all be at. So if you follow them, make sure you head over and uh, check out, I think, his Instagram page. I think it's just Cinematography Salon. Um, you'll be able to get everything you need from there, too. All right. So uh, that's what's going on. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with my mom. And um, I'm going to go. I'll see you. <laughs> <laughs>